0: this beautiful sunday morning honor and remember the fact that this this day jesus christ our lord was raised from the dead by his father so happy resurrection sunday everybody and as we begin now let's uh let us go let's there let me do that let's pray heavenly father on this resurrection sunday We reflect on the fact that everything that we have is because your son Jesus Christ died for our sins and that you raised him from the dead on the third day. Father, we just want to thank you for that tremendous gift, the tremendous power that you exerted on that day that continues in our our lives today. We want to pray, Father, for all the all the members of the body of Christ this morning. And want to pray, Father, that today so that we would be able to understand what's in the message for us we ask all of this in the name of jesus christ our lord by the power of the holy spirit amen amen all right just one announcement this morning um we have a signed contract now to lease our space um now comes the work to get it ready um both for the uh landlord and then for us so please keep that in prayer it does look now that we could be in there by June first, so that's just right around the corner. So keep all that in prayer. All right. Title of today's message is "No Resurrection Without First a Death." No resurrection without first a death. Inspiration for this uh, title today comes from a passage we were in recently, um, namely John chapter twelve twenty three. And I'll just read it this morning. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus now speaking to his disciples. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus applied this first to his own death and resurrection. But then he turns and he applies it to his disciples. And of course, by extension, us as well. And it's in this sense of laying down one's life in service to the Lord. But this morning's message is going to be based on another passage. And I'd like you to turn there now. It's in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians, chapter 3, verse 10. There is not a resurrection if there is not first a death, and we see this in our passage this morning, Philippians chapter three, verses ten to eleven. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Again, that I may know him, Christ, and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. You know, for a long time, this passage bothers me in the sense that it looks like it puts the resurrection of Christ before his death. In other words, that I may know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. But of course, appearances can be deceiving. Really, to understand this passage, here comes English grammar time. We really need to pay close attention to the verbs, the verb. Those are the action words. right? There's three of those. Let's read. Let's read our passage again. This time I'll emphasize the verse, the verbs when we come across them, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. You see. Know him is the key at the beginning. That's the verb. And then there's a list of the things that we are to know, come to know. Christ himself, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. That's all the first verb. Second verb, being conformed. Being conformed. Being conformed to his death in order that I may attain. That's the third verb. That I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So here are other three verbs. We'll be we'll be following this this morning in this order, of course. The first one is to know, to know first. The second one is being conformed, and the third one is attain. And so that's what we're going to go about. We're going to, in a sense, we're going to put equal weight on all three of these verbs, although we'll spend more time on the first one. Now, once we do that, we'll see that there's a there's an introductory stage in terms of knowing. But then there's two verbs that really do talk about uh, first the death of Christ and then the resurrection. So really, it is in the right order. It's just that we have to understand that there's a preparatory stage that comes before understanding the being conformed to his death and understanding, attaining or coming to the resurrection from the dead. So that's what we'll do. And we'll begin now with the first one that I may come to know. Coming to know is so important in the life of of every believer. That's why I say this all the time, but if you want to know the textbook that you need to know, here it is, right? There's a lot in there that we need to know. But in particular, there's three things that Paul names here. First, we come to know him. First and foremost, Christ. Second, we come to know the power of his resurrection. Then we come to know the fellowship of his sufferings. So that's the order. And, you know, um, if you were to look at the gospel preaching in the book of Acts in particular, one thing that you find each and every time there's a gospel message being presented, and that is that they emphasize the power of his resurrection. And, and the reason for that is that that, that's, that gets people attention. This idea that a man would be raised from the dead is certainly an amazing thing to know. And then, and then, and then after that, the third, after we come to know him, understanding of his resurrection, then we are ready to consider and enter into how our Christian life goes. The first thing we know is Christ himself, that he's the son of God. The second we know about his resurrection and its power, its power to conquer death. And then third, we understand in our lives that we there will be times when we'll have fellowship with his sufferings. So the, the reason for this is that God's an optimist. You see, he wants to talk first about his son. Then he wants us to understand the resurrection. And when we understand those things, now we can enter into or consider or uh, start to realize from the scriptures that indeed we are called to, and in fact definitely will, Share in his sufferings, share in his sufferings. So that's the order of things in Philippians chapter three, verse 10 and 11. Now, when he says, I may come to know, this is not simply an intellectual thing. It's not like knowing your times tables, right? It's not that, although that may be part of it. It's more like a tune in the musical, the king and I getting to know you. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to say a few things, a few, just a few things about what's in that, those lyrics getting to know you. See, it's a process getting to know all about you. Suddenly, I'm bright and breezy. I'm happy because of all the beautiful and new things I'm learning about you. You Christ, my Lord, day by day. And so this knowing is a day by day thing. This knowing is something that you come into more and more and more. And there's something that is exciting and joyous about it because it's a relationship that you're developing with the Lord Jesus Christ. And first of all, you need to know some things about him. But then you need to understand that, that these things that we learn about him, it's a, it's a living thing. And, and it and starts with our understanding of things in the word of God. But then as we apply those things, as our life goes along and we're and, and we're called upon to need him in a different way, then we now become understanding how beautiful and new all the things that he has given to us really, really are. The, the, <laughs> that I may come to know him. Now, there are so many things about Jesus that we need to come to know. And all we have to do do is go to our Bibles and just believe what is written. By the way, the believing is important too. You're not getting any benefit out of it if you say, well, I see here that the scripture says that Jesus Christ is God, but I don't believe it. Guess what you just did? Well, first of all, you're not saved. But second of all, if you are saved and you have a bad day, what you're doing is missing out on all the blessing that comes from that relationship with God's son. That's just one example. So we need to believe it. We need to know it and believe it. And that's how we come to know who our Lord and Savior is. Things like this. Things like his deity. His deity. Please turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Hey, you guys want to buy So indeed, Colossians one, starting in verse fifteen. He Christ is the very image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. See now knowing these things changes you, or believing them changes you. Believing that Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, he became man. He was God always, and he became man for us. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's the head of all creation. By him, all things were created. By Jesus Christ, all things were created. Can you see how marvelous that is? Can you see how, as you come to learn these things and understand these things, when you face things in life, whether they be things in the heavens or things on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or rulers and authorities, you can rest on the fact that Jesus created all of it. That same Jesus, by the way, that is at the right hand of God advocating for us. The same Jesus who went through all the things that we may come to and, and suffer in life. He created all things. And that then all things have been created through him and for him. It's all for him. You and I were created for him, for Jesus Christ. The, the birds, the trees, the animals, it's all created for him. The angels, all created for him. There was only one fly in the ointment, which was that his creation, by the by God's grace, really, was allowed to make their own decision. Not not nature, but humans and angels. And so, the, so, the, so the, the, the fly in the ointment was the fact that his creatures rebelled against him. That doesn't change the glory of his creation. Everything that he creates is perfect. Perfect. There was a time when all the beasts in the wild were, were perfect. Perfectly gentle perfectly uh, designed to do what they were supposed to do. But when man fell, everything changed in this earth. But in any event, he's the creator of all things. All things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things. See, he is outside of time. He He is outside of creation in the sense that he's separate and over and above it. He enters into, of course, our lives in many tremendous ways, which makes this gift, this knowledge now, all the more valuable and precious to us. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So I hope after hearing these words this morning that perhaps some of the things that have have, uh, preoccupied you and worried you and concerned you and perhaps even created some fear in you, all those things just kind of fade away when we look at the glory of Jesus Christ as God himself that he is over everything, no matter what you come out of this service today and come upon, he, he is over all of that. He is over all the angels, fallen and neglect. So even the angels, which are our dread enemies, when they're fallen, even those creatures, they're creatures, Jesus Christ is ahead of. And, and actually, nothing can happen without him allowing it to. And in him, all things hold together. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, this entire universe would just explode and there'd be nothing left. Because in him, all the things are being held together moment by moment. So that's what we come to know about him, his deity and all of the implications of that. Because the word of God tells us. But we enter into that by faith and then we get all the benefit of it and become closer to him. Other things that we come to know are the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You and I have all been called. You and I all have been placed in the body of Christ just where God wants us to be. We have all been given spiritual gifts as uniquely suited to us. We've been called. And by the way, whether or not we respond to that call doesn't change the fact that he's called us because and the gifts and the calling of God cannot be taken away. And we've already been called and we have already been gifted. And then the riches of the glory, listen to this riches glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now he could have just said your inheritance, his inheritance in the saints, but he did not Paul wrote the fullness of it in terms of the riches of it. If you want to know where riches are, When you want to know where glory is, it's in the inheritance of Christ in the saints. It's in all of the things that 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 actually he, in a sense, inherited the brothers and the sisters, but also our inheritance. There's riches in that. There's glory in that. Those things have already been given to us. And again, no matter how awry things get, no matter how many things we read in the news that disturb us, No matter how many friends we lose, how much sickness we have, we are all going to experience the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints one day. But here's the thing. If we believe that, we get to experience it now. We we can wake up every day and say, man, things are going bad for me. But I know I have an inheritance and I know it's, it's rich and there's full of glory. And I'm going to achieve it, not because of me, because God has promised it. Look at Ephesians chapter one, verse 17. Ephesians one, verse 17. That's where this comes from. I didn't make this up. Okay, It's in the Bible. It's in God's word. So you can trust it and you can believe it. There's no better place to go than God's word to find things that you ought to believe. Ephesians chapter one, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you notice this, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? The knowledge of him. So it is really important that we know these things. But God gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation it's a gift. We tend to think of wisdom as something that we need to acquire, that we need to develop. But that's not God's way. God's way is to give us wisdom. Now, now, of course, that wisdom is in the Word of God. It's in the Holy Spirit's promptings. And so I'm going to keep saying this to get the benefit of it. We've got to know it and believe it. But here it is, may it, that, that God may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Revelation just means you know, things that were just letters on a paper now become alive. And I understand more and more about them. I know new things about Christ, a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. Knowing is so important. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I love that expression. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You see, that's very different than just knowing the facts. It has to do with being Enlightened. Being aware of having the eyes of your heart, which that's the that's the inner you, right? Be enlightened so that you will know there's the knowledge and what? What is the hope of his calling? and What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? I may come to know those things and believe them, that I may come to know him. And then next, what the power of his resurrection? And then the fellowship of his sufferings. In that order. Now that we know who he is, we realize that there's power in his resurrection. What is that? It means that God demonstrated unimaginable power when He raised Jesus from the dead. Um, he took up, He took Him out of death forever. He gave Him victory over death. He gave Him victory over the flesh, the sin. Again, victory over this world, but most important, victory over death. That's amazing power. You know, I mean, certainly there was obviously great power that the Lord exerted. Let there be light. And there was light. And let's separate the waters and let's create a- animals and stars. But then most importantly, let's create humans. That was tremendous power. But you know what? This is even more tremendous. You know, God gets more out of resurrection than he goes out of creation even. Because because out of resurrection, something that was dead, somebody that was dead comes alive. That I may come to know the power of his resurrection. So, again, first of all, there's the event itself. Unimaginable power in the event. And this is what we celebrate today. The event of Jesus Christ. Being raised from the dead. Coming out of that tomb. Unbelievable power in that. But then. There is the power of the resurrection. That's unleashed. You see there's the original event. But on top of that. All this power is now unleashed. And available. And doing things. Well the first. Example as it were. Of that power. Extended. Is the resurrection itself declares that Jesus Christ is God. It's a revelation. It's not just an event, but it's a revelation. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. The resurrection declares that Jesus Christ is God. So not only do we come to know him, we then see the power of his resurrection in declaring So it's like there's a bright light. That's the original event. And then that light goes everywhere to reveal that Jesus is God. Look at Romans chapter one, verse four. Who was declared the son of God. Notice that declared the son of God with what? Power. There's that power of his resurrection. Was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. According to the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's power in having when he was declared the son of God by the by his resurrection from the dead. So there's the event itself is what was revealed about Jesus Christ as a result of that resurrection. And then there's another thing. And that is this. Believers, you and I are born again. That comes from the power of the resurrection resurrection of jesus christ we are born again to a living hope by the resurrection of christ and here's the scripture one first peter chapter one verse three. First peter chapter one verse three again i you know i can say it but the, but the only thing that matters is that you can hear it in god's word and then believe it okay believe it a lot of people who are believers in Christ are walking around like they're not. Walking around, having no idea what happened to them, where the power of it came from, what are the implications for their lives. So unless you know these things and believe them, you're not going to get the benefit of them. Look at First 1 Peter 1, 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. We didn't do it. It's not like we, we we did all these great things and then we earned being born again. No, it was grace and mercy that caused us to be born again to a living hope, not just to a hope, but a living hope. That just means that there's a hope that each and every day we ought to live in. Well, how do we do that? Broken record time by knowing what the Word of God has to say and believing it. We have a living hope when we when we see that we have an inheritance and we believe it. We have a living hope when we're told about the resurrection, the rapture, and we believe it. That's our living hope. Through uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, God in his mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope on the basis of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we we think of the great miracle that's coming for us when our when our mortal bodies will be transformed into a body like. But you know what? As as much and even greater power, it demonstrated when we were born again. Why? Because it, on a spiritual dimension, we were dead dead in our trespasses and sins. He has made us alive. That's powerful to do that. He has made us alive. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Think of all the things that have come out of that event of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Now next, and we learn this from the word of God. The resurrection is what enables any of us to share in Christ's physical resurrection. Very simply. If he hadn't risen from the dead. Then all our hopes are in vain. So we're just going to go into the ground. And never come out of it. But because he did rise from the dead. Now there's this power. This is enablement of all of us. All believers to share in his physical resurrection. Because he was raised. We one day will be raised. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. In chapter 15, Paul is using the reverse argument. What I mean by that is there were some people saying that there won't be a resurrection. We're not going to be raised from the dead. So so Paul turns that around and he says, listen. If we're not raised from the dead, then there's no resurrection. And that means that even Christ was not raised from the dead. That got their attention. That got their attention. verse 20. But now Christ is, has been raised from the dead. And notice he's the first fruits of those who are asleep. If a seed remains, it is alone. But if it dies, it produces a great harvest. Great fruit. The first fruits, that's Jesus himself. But then there are those who are asleep, those who have died. Since Christ has been raised from the dead as the first fruits of those who are asleep, then all of us are one day going to be raised from the dead. Verse 21. or since by a man, Adam, came death, by a man also, Jesus Christ, came the resurrection of the dead. This is no longer his resurrection. But ours, because he has been raised from the dead, we are also going to be raised from the dead. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. And here's the exciting part. Verse 22. For as in Adam, all die. If you want to know, why is it that I was born dead in my trespasses and sins? And the simple answer is, is because Adam sinned. Yeah, I mean, think about it. We had no choice about how we were born. We, we don't have, we don't really, we have nothing to do with how we're born the first time. And by the way, we have nothing to do with how we're born the second time. Okay, one was because of Adam. The other is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay. For is' in Adam, all die. So also in Christ, now who's in Christ? Every believer, every believer in this church age is in union with Jesus Christ, and because of that, all will be made alive. All of us will be made alive. We, we, how do we find ourselves in Christ? The power of God. In this case, the power of God, the Holy Spirit. We were baptized into Christ. That wasn't a physical baptism. That was a spiritual baptism. We've been permanently identified, just like a ship that sinks into the, into the sea. It's always identified with the water. Now, since we have been placed in Christ, we've been baptized. That means that we are in union with him forever. In Christ, because of that, all will be made alive. The resurrection enables all believers, all of us, to one day share the Christ's physical resurrection from the dead. One more thing I want to talk to you about in terms of the power of his resurrection. And that is this. Okay, so that power raised him from the dead. It was by that power we were born again. It's by that power that one day we'll be raised physically from the grave. But also, so that something every day of our lives, we find that power is available for for working out. And he is the one who actually does the work because it's his power. His resurrection power is at work now, today. It was at work yesterday. It'll be at work tomorrow in the lives of believers. All of us that live here on earth while we're on earth. That's the power that we have closest understanding of because it's happening to us. There are things that are changing about us based on the power of, That came from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, we can't change ourselves. If you're doing that, stop it. If you really think that you have an area of sin and by your activities, you're going to get that area of sin out of your life. Good luck. Okay. You're going to be like those people who say, you know, they were confused in their innermost thoughts. That'll be you. If you think you can do it, you can't. Because only the spirit has victory over the flesh. That's power. You see, it's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives here while we're still here on earth. Please turn to Ephesians chapter one, verse 19. Ephesians chapter one, verse 19. And they make no mistake. We're talking about the power of his resurrection. Because he rose from the dead, there was unleashed incredible power. Because he's ascended into heaven, by the way, and seated at the right hand of the Father, that's where he is today, he has released the Holy Spirit. He's given the Holy Spirit to us. And that's the spirit of power. Look at Ephesians 1.19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us, us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Who's that? God. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. The reason why there's great power toward us is because of the working of the strength of God's might. Notice verse 20, though, which he brought about in Christ when When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So if you work backwards, which is sometimes a good way to understand things, God brought about strength of his might, power, when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and then seated him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. And from there, Jesus Christ sent out the Holy Spirit and gave him to each one of us. And the moment we are baptized into Christ, we are also, the the Spirit comes to dwell inside our hearts. Boy, that's power. That's where our power to change is it's in the work of the Holy Spirit who now lives in our hearts there's a battle going on but it's not you against your flesh you will lose that battle just just, just go to Romans 7 and read about Paul's experience trying to win that battle <laughs> forget about it no it's the flesh warring against who the spirit. The battle of what's going wrong with us because of our flesh is now the Lord's. It's the spirit that has victory over the flesh. So so the strength of God, the power of God, he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And then the Holy Spirit came and was given to us and then worked backwards. These are in accordance with the working. That working which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now there's something that's in accordance with that. Something that flows from that. What is it? The surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Toward us. it's Sure. Was there tremendous power in the, in the event of the resurrection? Absolutely. Was there tremendous power in, in us being born again to a living hope? Absolutely. Will there be tremendous power exerted on our behalf at the rapture when our bodies will be like his, made like his? Yeah, there's tremendous power. So in the past and in the future. But here's the exciting part right now, today. Here, there's, there's power working at you right now to be, so that you can understand these things. There's power in the Holy Spirit sort of convincing us that these things are true. That's power. You know, think about it. Think about think about in your life when there's somebody who you've been trying to change for a long, long time, and then finally they change. I mean, that's a powerful thing. There, there's power in the forgiveness of sins. Think about it. You're lost in your, in your sins and trespasses. And then power comes. And now, all of a sudden, you're alive. It's kind of like you were a light bulb that didn't work, and then somebody figured out how to... Turn the power on. It was working, but you turn the power on and then it's at work in our lives. And it's surpassingly great. So what should we come to know him, Christ himself, the power of his resurrection. Third, the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, we don't like to talk about sufferings. I understand that. But just as we have sufferings because we were born in Adam, Make no mistake, the reason that we get sick, the reason that we argue with one another and fight with one another, the reason that we suffer internally, the reason why we we, we have illnesses like cancer and diabetes is because of Adam. See, I like blaming other people besides myself. I don't know about you. Yeah, it was because of Adam. Because of Adam we were born dead in our trespasses and sins. It's because of Adam we suffer. And by the way, everybody, not just Christians, suffers. You know when you go into the hospital, there's just there's not the Christian ward, right? Everybody suffers. So there's that. This though is talking about a different order, a different uh, height, as it were, of suffering, and that is sufferings that are in the in the nature of the sufferings of Christ. So even us, it's not like all suffering. He's talking about here. He's talking about, in particular, the sufferings that we undergo. And by the way, we will all right, undergo suffering for Christ. A lot of people think you've got to become this really strong and wonderful person, and then you are, you are able to suffer. And only some people. No, it's not true that only some Christians suffer for Christ. We all do. because it, And the crazy thing about it in the book of Philippians says it's a gift. Imagine that. So just like Christ turned death into life, Christ turned suffering into glory for us in our lives. That's the fellowship of his suffering. Quite simply, when we suffer in a way that shares in his sufferings, and if you want to see more about it, we won't turn to it now, but you should read 1 Peter 4. Maybe we will turn to it. You know, I like to call audibles. Never be a quarterback in the NFL. So I'm getting that kicks so on calling audibles on Sundays. So I'm going to go to the Bible, First Peter chapter four. We're going to go to both of these. I think we have time. First Peter chapter four, verses twelve to fourteen. Peter Peter 12. beloved, the ones loved by God in such a precious way, do not be surprised at what the fiery ordeal among you—that's suffering. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, but notice the next part. Well, the next verse we'll get to it. This comes upon you. Okay, this is not—it's not like you put yourself into the fiery ordeal. It will come upon you. It will come upon It will come upon all of us. Because we're Christians. Now that's both as, a, as an application in this world. Because certainly there's persecution because we're Christians. But this is also saying that every one of us will. In some manner or fashion. But to the degree. Beloved do Christ. The fiery ordeal among you. On you. For your testing. It comes upon you. The Lord. Allows it and ordains it to happen. For our testing. So don't think some strange thing is happening to you. When this occurs. Don't blame yourself. Don't think that it's because you're a super Christian. It's because God. Has. Certain times. For us to go through. Suffering. And it's for our testing. In other words to say it's strengthen us it's for our growth ultimately but 13 notice this but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ now here's where this difference is right but we all do share the sufferings of Christ to different degrees okay and by the way that's his sovereign will too Don't think that there's something great about you. You can get, I don't know about you, but I get like all kinds of twisted and turning around from the word of God because I'm always in it. um, But so don't get that happening. It's not because something great about you, you're a super saint or anything like that. It's just that it's God's will that, that we will be suffering according to what he wants us to go through. And it won't be the same for everybody. You know, it just won't. But what notice, but to the degree that that you share the sufferings of who of Christ, these are not the sufferings that unbelievers experience. These are sufferings that are unique to being in Christ. Keep notice on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a, an analogy. Okay, there's a there's a person in the gym, right, and every day after he works out, his muscles hurt. Or she. I don't want. I don't want to be gender neutral here, or whatever. It is. Uh, everybody who works out the way you're supposed to, at the end of that workout, you you're hurting, right? But you're hurting, and then a couple of days later, or a couple of months later, if you do it. You've got to say, wait a minute, I'm stronger than I was before. You see, it's the same thing on a totally different level with the sufferings that we share with Christ. That's why we can rejoice. And we're one step closer to to God carrying out his plan for us completely, which will be continuing until the day we die, by the way. And then we can say, like, Paul, I have finished the course. What's waiting for me is glory. Okay. So again, keep on rejoicing to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ. Keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exaltation. Okay, Philippians 1, 19, 29 to thirty says something really similar. It is, said, it is said it has been granted to you to suffer for His sake. So again, it's not something that we bring about. It's something Something that was in the plan of God and it's granted to us to suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ. When we do, when we suffer in a way that shares in his sufferings, okay, it doesn't mean we'll go to the cross, right? It does mean that, remember, he, he's suffered in every way. So we share in his sufferings, okay? Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's it's stressful situations that come about because you're a Christian. Maybe it's physical in a sense. Paul, certainly it was physical as well as mental for him. But it was mental for him as well. You know, he cared for all the churches and the strain and stress on him. Why did he care for all the churches? Because he loved Christ, because he knew that they were all members of the body of Christ. He doesn't want to see them straying. When we suffer in a way that shares in his suffering, we get closer to him we get closer to him if for no other reason it's because that's when we really need him the most we're going through something because we are in union with him and in order to get through it we really 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 need him it's beyond our abilities please turn to second corinthians chapter 1 to 10 paul experienced this many times in his life second corinthians 1 verse 5 You may say him right now, man, I thought this was a Resurrection Sunday message. I just want to feel good and rejoice and have some lilies around, you know. He's talking about suffering. Wait, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> even on Resurrection Sunday. Don't forget, to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. There it is there 's the joy now see it's greater when you think about it. we all came in here today, and all of us were hurting in some way and some of us were hurting because of we are Christians, but here he 's saying that look even that will turn out to be a place of joy. you know when a woman is in labor, she has much pain, but after the child is born, all that's out of her memory for the joy of what she holds in her hand of who she holds in her hands. For the joy set before him, Jesus Christ endured the cross. So, happy resurrection Sunday, gang. All right, 2 Corinthians 1 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ, of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. What's that saying? To the degree that we that we share in the sufferings of Christ, we will we will see abundant comfort. If you think about it, the only way to get comfort is if you're uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. You couldn't sleep. And all of a sudden you can rest <sighs> comfortable again. You know, we don't think about being comforted when we're, when we're healthy, when we're not in any pain. Right. We, we think about being comforted when a loved one dies and so forth. And so the, In a sense, the the more abundant our suffering is in Christ, the more abundant our comfort through Christ. But if we are afflicted, and we will be, and it's for your comfort and salvation. You know, another place Paul said to him, says, look, if I'm out of my mind, it's for the Lord. If I'm sane again, it's for you. You See, so going through these afflictions and sufferings aren't aren't only for our growth, but it's for you. When you go through these things, it's for me also. Why? Notice. But if we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. Or if we're comforted, it is for your comfort. It doesn't end with you or me. It keeps going in the lives of of, of believers, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. In other words, it's not just the apostles; all of us as believers. And our hope for you is firmly grounded. Knowing that as you are sharers in our suffering, knowing that you're gonna share in these sufferings. I know you are. You know I am, right? It's 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 not you know optional, but knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, you are also what? Sharers of our comfort. And then Paul talks about the fact in verse eight and nine that he went through horrible, horrible things in Asia when he was left for dead, when he when he when there were riots because of his presence. But I want you to look at verse nine. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. Here comes the intimacy with Christ. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within us, our, within ourselves. Notice, by the way, within ourselves. Right. It was a mental, spiritual thing. OK, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. Notice why there's a reason there's something that the Lord wants you to come to in a greater, greater measure. What is that? So that, for the purpose of, we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. There's the resurrection. That through the resurrection of the dead, we can always look to that and we can say, you know what? I can't trust in myself, right? I know that. Now, how do we know that? You know how we know that when we come to suffering that's so great that we really can't deal with it? That's when we say, you know what? I better not trust in myself anymore. I thought I was something. But going through this, I know that anything good that's happened in my life is because of Jesus Christ. So I'm no longer going to trust in me. I'm going to trust in God who raises the dead. Not only raised it, but raises. These are all things that we can come to know. Hey, back to our pastors this morning. Oops. Yeah. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 11. Philippians 3.10. That I may know him, Jesus Christ, son of God, and the power of his resurrection. The power in the original event, the power in our lives now. And the fellowship of his sufferings, which causes us to become closer to Jesus Christ, causes us to not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead, causes us to understand that in our afflictions, we'll always be comforted. And then the next two verbs, being conformed to his death. Notice being conformed. That's not something we do. Verse 11, in order that I may attain or a better translation actually is come into the resurrection of the dead. Those are the, those are the second and third verses being conformed and attaining to or coming into. Now the verbs are in the right order, right? First, being conformed to his death. Second, attaining to the resurrection. Notice that these come after the knowing, right? A lot on the knowing. Then we, 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 we understand and come to a living understanding of the fact that we've been conformed and are being conformed to his death, and we can attain or come into the resurrection of the dead. Now, here's the thing to understand. This is not physical death. After all, if this were physical death, none of us would be here today. I wouldn't be here if I was conformed to physical death. I'm a- out of here right it's it's not physical it's what spiritual right this isn't physical death now since it's not physical death guess what it's not physical resurrection either a lot of people misinterpret this passage to say that he's going to attain to the rapture well that's ridiculous right we don't we don't we don't say you know i'm going to do something great and then my body's going to be transformed into a body like Christ. That is not how it happens, because this is not a physical revelation. After all, it's something that Paul wants to come into while he's still here in this body. He wants to come into it. So it's not physical resurrection. We'll be perfect, by the way, once we are physically resurrected. No, this is something that Paul wanted to come, attain to or come into now when he's, while he still lived on earth in these bodies of corruption. I want you to notice something else. I mean, it's in the Greek, but you don't need to know Greek, right? That's for me to kind of work out. You know, I mean, I, I remember I was part of a, a congregation where all we did was learn Greek all day long. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's kind of like we're learning quantum physics. Like, when am I going to need that, right? You, you, what I'm saying is, it's great to go to the original languages, right? But see, you've called, God's called upon me to do it most of that. It's great if you learn the Greek, but that's not the end game. The end game is that you know the meaning of it. And most of us think in English. And so it's the English that ultimately we will be working with as people in the United States or Australia. You know, I mean, I'll bet you, like, somebody today if he doesn't speak English, you know, he's on Skype. I feel bad for him or her because I understand what I'm saying in any event. It's something that is done to us by God. We are we are being conformed. We are conformed. And it's done to us. We don't do a thing. But here's the exciting part. If you're a believer in Christ, you've already been conformed to his death. I'll, I'll prove that to you in a minute. If you are a believer, you've already been, been conformed to his death. I'd like you to turn out a very popular passage, Galatians 2.20. A lot of us can, can probably recite this from memory. But let's look at it a new way. Let's look at it in connection with being conformed to the death of Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I mean, it doesn't get any more direct than this, gang. Look at this, Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. Believe me, if you've been crucified, you are definitely being conformed to his death. Is this a physical crucifixion, by the way? No. What is it? It's a spiritual. I've been crucified with Christ. But notice, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. our lives now are lives of faith in the Son of God. (laughs) And that is why it's so important to believe things that are in the Bible. Life I now live I, in this flesh, I live by faith in the son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. We've already been conformed to his death because when we were baptized into Christ, first thing that happened and we were baptized into his death, not a physical baptism, spiritual one. But but here's the thing. There is also an experiential big word. What does that mean? I mean, something that we'll experience after we're believers in Christ of being conformed to his death. So there's the fact and then there's the experience. By the way, it's kind of like many things in the word of God. We we were been baptized by the spirit, but now we're, we're called upon to have that working in us and to live according to the spirit. Same thing here. We have been conformed. To his death, but then there's the practical side of it, the experiential side. I like you to just read. Uh, turn to Second Corinthians chapter four, verse ten. We have been crucified with Christ. Next, let's look at verse ten here. Second Corinthians four ten. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus. Now again, is that the physical dying of Jesus? No, because again, if that were true, if Paul had carried in his body the physical death of Jesus, he wouldn't have been able to write 2 Corinthians 4.10. It's a spiritual thing. Also carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. There's that death again, turning into life. It's in our body. We're carrying it about the dying of Jesus. This just means, by the way, suffering in various ways and kinds, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live, notice this, are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. There's that suffering that's that's like his so that purpose, the life of Christ may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. After all, the manifestation of the life in Christ is how we live every day in this flesh. Right. Our bodies not not sin, but the bodies weren't so that death works in us, but life in you. And there it is again. We're afflicted for your comfort. And then finally, being sharers of his death, which we've seen, we can come into his resurrection. That's during his life, our life, being sharers of his death. And we are. We can come into his resurrection now during this life while we're still in these physical bodies in our mortal flesh. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Yeah, that was a four-minute song this morning. So, you know, like in soccer, I get extra time after the regular time is over. You're like, oh, no, I've got a ham ham in the oven. Oh, man, this is getting close. You know, I have, anyway. Okay, you got a ham in the oven. Okay, so it burns. Okay, so what does that mean? Huh? It means we get to go out to dinner. Woohoo! Anyway. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? We have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Now again, if this was spiritual. Physical baptism, this would have been physical death. And that would be it. This is a spiritual baptism. We've been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Why? What's the end game? What is God's design for all of this? So that as Christ was raised from the dead, there's a resurrection, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk walk that's our daily lives now in the newness of the life that Christ had that newness of life he was raised from the dead and now we can walk in it we can walk in it because we've shared in his death we can share in his resurrection there's no resurrection without a death but our death has already happened and now we can walk in this new life we can walk away from the dead things and come into the life of the resurrection that's what he's talking about Philippians chapter 3 verse 11 we can walk away from the dead things well what are the dead things I'll tell you what they are the flesh and the world there's deadness we're dead to those things we're dead to the flesh dead to the world and now we can come into the life of the resurrection we can do this now and in time while we're still alive we can reap eternal life Oh, we're still here on earth. We can. This is not an ethereal, holier-than-thou kind of life. You don't have to go to a monastery or go to the top of a mountain or speak in tongues or be part of a revival. You don't have to do any of that stuff. It's practical. You can walk in it here in time. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. But it's not some crazy ethereal thing no we don't lose heart in doing good I'm reading from Galatians 6 8 to 10 and just the time you want to turn it you can but again it says if, if we sow to the spirit from the spirit will reap'll we'll reap it now in time eternal life what does it mean to sow to the spirit let us not lose heart. And doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And then he says, "You have an opportunity now to live according to the Spirit, to live the life that you have because of Christ's resurrection." While we have that opportunity, let's do good to all people. Right back to last Sunday, loving other people, forgiving other people, laying our lives down, especially those who are the household of the faith. A lot of people think, "Well, I can't help that person now; he's not a Christian." What are you, crazy? Of course you can. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, when he was healing people, he didn't first say, sh- sh- show me your identification card. I wanna make sure you're the right kind of person. You know? No, of course you can help those. Matter of fact, it's really the best way to get an entrance into the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We saw that last week too. They'll look at you and they'll see how you love one another, and that will open up a, a window for you to be able to tell them why you're so happy. Put away the old. It's passing away anyway. And put on the new. You are a new creation. Not you, might be. You are. And that creation, day by day, is being renewed in the knowledge after the one who created him. All right, let's close in there. Heavenly Father, we know that this is a thing that some of us don't want to have to face intellectually but suffering is in the picture and the resurrection sunday and yet we've seen today the glories of it we've seen today that we comfort one another in our afflictions we see today that sharing the sufferings of christ will share in his glory and that you've ordained it for all of us and that there's no resurrection without a death. Father, as we lead today, we know that we're going to retain the things in our hearts that you have impressed upon us. We also have all the scriptures so that we go back to them and learn more. And so in all those ways, Father, we ask that you would have the Holy Spirit And Christ our Lord by the power of the Spirit. The end.